Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening. It's Colm O'Sullivan and Tomas O'Leary with you on the Big Red Bench until 7 o'clock this evening. Rounding up all the weekend sport on a busy Saturday and a busy weekend of sport. We look back on Cork City's worst ever league defeat last night. They lost a whopping 6-0 away to Shamrock Rovers last night. It's a record league defeat for Cork City. And manager Neil Fenn will be joining us on the show to reflect on what was a very, very bad night for the club. Elsewhere in the Premier League today, we look at some of the action there. There are wins for Chelsea, Southampton, Burnley and Crystal Palace in the Premier League. And myself and Tomas will be looking ahead to a big, big weekend of rugby as well. Um, Six Nations games ongoing at the moment. But tomorrow it's all about Ireland versus England at Twickenham. We'll chat about, uh, about the game to Tomas and also hear from Andy Farrell, Connor Murray and Eddie Jones between now and 7 o'clock. Yeah, it's Cullum and Tomas on the bench. Evening, Tomas, how are you? I'm good, Cullum, yeah. Just kind of looking at City result kind of reminds me of the days where I, my mood was dependent on, on the outcome <laughs> of uh, outcome of games. So uh, my weekend's now where I can enjoy the sport, get up, not be worried about how I did in the game on the Friday night or the Saturday. So kind of feeling for the City lads now with today, all right? Did you have a few horror shows ever as bad as that in your Munster time? Um, never, never. I've never beaten six 0 anyway in a, in a soccer game. But um, yeah, look, I had, I suppose, days where I suppose personally I didn't go well, yeah. and you know you end up um, losing out in whatever World Cup squads and all that kind of crack. So yeah, it hits you hard, like, um, and it's because you kind of drag down the whole humour in the household then as well. Um, so the good thing now is. Look, I'm, I'm not playing sport anymore. So you're actually you're actually a nice person to live with nowadays, are you? Yeah, well, so <laughs> most, most of the time, anyway. My wife might might argue with that. Yeah, but um, yeah, look, I, I suppose my mood isn't dependent on on how how monster do or you know how I played. So it makes life easier. But like, I can definitely kind of feel for the for the lads after after you put on a performance like that. Absolutely. Uh, so it is a busy weekend of sport. We'll chat to Neil Fenn um, on that game and reflect on the game, and we'll also discuss the potential takeover of Cork City. There's a a bid on the table from Trevor Hemmings and Preston North End and uh, Cork City fans are having a meeting on that in the Metropole Hotel tomorrow evening Forest Take Trust. the money Take the money uh, <laughs> Take the money at this stage big time uh, We'll chat about that in a little while as well more about Cork City but it has been a busy day all round really Tomas Yeah and starting with football um, obviously where Cork City suffered their worst ever league defeat last night in Tala losing 6-0 to Shamrock Rovers Neil Fenside were down to 10 men for most of the game after Deshaun Dalling was dismissed in the first half they play champions Dundalk on Monday night so it doesn't get any easier and Jose Mourinho's return to Stamford Bridge did not go to plan in the Premier League he's Tottenham side lost 2-1 away to Chelsea in the early kickoff. and in 3pm kickoffs, Sheffield United have missed out on their chance to move 5th after uh, ahead of Tottenham at drawing one all with Brighton and Southampton beat Aston Villa 2-0 at St Mary's Crystal Palace won 1-0 at home to Newcastle and Burnley beat Brighton 3-0 at Turf Moor and in this evening's kickoff, it's Leicester City hosting Manchester the King Power Stadium where it's currently nil all and locally Cove Ramblers play Drogheda United this evening in their first division season opener kick-off at St Colmans Park is 7 o'clock and on the Gaelic Games where Cork travel to Thurles this evening to play Tipperary in the National Football League throw in there in Tempest Stadium is at 7pm and on to rugby where the Ireland in their 20s wrapped up the Triple Crown last night at Franklin Gardens they beat England 39-21 with a bonus point win and Scotland have beaten Italy 17 points to no score in the Guinness Six Nations class in Rome. Stuart Hogg, Chris Harris and Adam Hastings scored the tries there for the visitors. 
and it marks their first, the first win in Scotland for this tournament. And currently, defending champions Wales are looking to bounce back from defeat to Ireland against tabletoppers France. The current scoreline there is France 17 and Wales 16, so a pretty tight game there. And in today's Energy League games, Division 1B, Highfield have beaten Navin 38 points to 12. In 2A, Dolphin have lost to Nina 34 points to 22. And in 2C, it finished 31 points to 5, where Middleton beat Sunday as well. In basketball in the Men's Super League, Colin CNS Neptune play Moy Cullen at 7 o'clock. Also at 7 in the Women's Super League, for the Matthews take on Liffey Celtics, while WIT Wildcats face Ambassador UCD Glanmire. And on to boxing tonight. Tyson Fury has weighed in three stone heavier than Deontay Wilder ahead of their heavily anticipated world heavyweight boxing title rematch. Lineal world champion Fury tipped the scales in Las Vegas at 19 stone 7 pounds with reigning WBC title holder Wilder coming in at 16 stone 7 pounds. The, title, the challenger is also 14 pounds heavier than the controversial drawn first bout in 2018 where the former Irish amateur sacrificing some of his mobility for power. That should be a cracker as well. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of stuff to get through there. Um, so we were talking about Cork City last night, losing 6-0 to Shamrock Rovers. We knew Tomas it was going to be a difficult start to the season for Cork City. Uh, they're their home game against Shelburne, which they lost last week, uh, unfortunately, by a late goal. And then they were coming up against cup winners, Shamrock Rovers, cup holders, Shamrock Rovers um, last night. And then they've Dundalk, the champions, on Monday night as well. So we knew it was going to be a tough start, but nobody in any way, shape or form could have foreseen a 6-0 defeat to Shamrock Rovers I don't think No um, they would have hoped to be competitive obviously going away from home it's always difficult um, and settling in a new squad to, to, to different systems and different structures of play but um, you know the, when you're beating 6-0 you can't really have any complaints and it just could, would illustrate or would kind of almost signify that you know maybe the players just aren't there at the moment uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of new guys in the squad as we said it's it's mostly new guys there's only probably three or four players who were there last season um, a lot of guys on loan a lot of guys who were only in in the last few weeks so it, people are saying it's taking time for these guys to gel but Cork City don't have time because I mean they're, they're, they're going to lose ground on the teams around them Yeah look it's key to get to get a good start in the league and especially on the back of uh, uh, I suppose a poor season last year getting rid of a manager mid-season um, confidence levels low um, a lot of pressure from the support as well you know about signings and, and lack of investment in the club so yeah there's a lot of pressure on the team And when you, but I think it's difficult to to get that kind of good start when you have a lot of players coming in yeah. especially on loan um, you know they're they're not they're uncertain about their future at the club and uncertain about their future in their own clubs as well so I think when you're invested in an area invested in the club and, and you know you're going to be there for you know two three years it's a lot easier to you know to really put down put down roots and, and concentrate on your game whereas if when your future's uncertain you're, you're constantly thinking about where's your next contract you know are you going to get called back to your, your parent club um, so yeah your mind mightn't be fully um, invested in the club so yeah I think it's a tough space for Neely Fenn uh, and, and, and uh, him getting his kind of game plan into this Cork City team Brilliant and I want to say thanks to Neil Fenn for coming on and chatting to us earlier because I gave him a call earlier and sometimes after after such a horrendous defeat a manager might shy away and he wouldn't want to talk but Neil Fenn straight away no bother wanted to come on and wanted to chat about it so we'd like to thank him for coming on and uh, I had a chat to him earlier on about last night's game um, Cork City went 2-0 down uh, then they went down to 10 men because Deshane Dawling who's on uh, loan from QPR he was sent off a straight red card in the first half for what looked like a fairly bad tackle uh, two footed challenge 
challenge. Next up for City is the trip to Champions Dundalk on Monday night. And I caught up with Neil Fenn earlier on today uh, to reflect on last night's win uh, about Monday night's game against Dundalk. And briefly, we had a little chat at the end about the potential uh, takeover by Trevor Hemmings, the owner of Preston North End, billionaire owner of Preston North End from the UK as well. It was a bad defeat, yeah. You know, we hold our hands up. We weren't good enough um, in the second half, especially even though we were down to 10 men. It was, it was always going to be tough. Um, with them being 2 up already, trying to keep a clean sheet in the second half with only 10 men, and it was tough, and they found spaces and ended up scoring a few more goals to put a little bit of a gloss on it. Um, I suppose the sending off changed the game. You were 2-0 down when he was sent off, but, um, I mean, it kind of opened the floodgates after that, really, didn't it? Yeah, it was tough. You know, obviously, we, we were 2-0 down, but I felt in the second half that we would have had the wind. It was tough conditions in the first half against the wind. I felt we were causing them problems when we were attacking, so I thought in the second half, it was going to be important who scored the first goal. Um, if we were at, if we were at eleven men, once we had the man sent off, it was always going to be extremely difficult. They could push men as many men forward as they wanted, which they did, and um, obviously ended up scoring more goals. Um, a couple of defensive errors last night as well for a couple of the goals. Uh, is that kind of a factor of guys still getting used to each other, new guys in the team? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That, you know, the individual errors they happen, but you, you know. I suppose that you know the the you, you try you hope they don't happen, but you know there's, if there's individual errors, there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, you just have to be better all over the pitch. And once they did go one nil, two nil up, then we had to defend better in the second half. But individual errors are going to happen, and, and unfortunately, when you've got the players the likes of Graham Burke and, and Jack Byrne around you, then you're going to get punished for them. Uh, we spoke last week about about kind of the, the attacking threat and and going forward and scoring goals and that, that was a problem again last night. It's, it's no goals from two games now, Neil. Yeah, I felt in the first half we looked dangerous. I thought that we had a, a good few attempts on target. It was never going to be easy. Um, second half, well, you know, it, it was just constant defending, defending really trying to trying to limit limit the amount of attacks they had. So it was always going to be difficult in the second half. In the first half, I thought we were a threat. I thought Deshaun had a couple of good chances. Danny McGlade had a couple of good chances. Um, and I felt that we were a threat. So um, who knows what would have happened in the second half if we had 11 men playing into the wind. Um, and who knows? What did you make of the sending off? From where I was, it looked it looked yeah, like, a, like a 50-50. I think it was one earlier in the game with Alec Byrne and one of their players. Having seen the video again from our, our, our side of the pitch, it, it, you, you can't really see it. I've seen a couple of still photos of it. Doesn't look great in the still photos, mm. but um, still photos. You know, they, they tell a different story to the actual game. I just think the ref was um, was was possibly swayed by by the reaction of their players sprinting over to, to get him sent off. And I think the ref, you know, had a poor game. It's on to Dundalk on Monday. Another tough game. It's a tough start. I mean, the, the way the fixtures have fallen hasn't helped you at all, really, Inshrad, hasn't Neil? No, but I think every game's tough. You know, we've said it from the start. You have to play them at some point. So. You know, you're going to have to go somewhere. You're going to have to play them. You're going to have to play the better team. So it's a difficult start. Can we get a result in Dundalk? I believe we can. Um, if we play like we did the first half hour yesterday, cut out individual errors, keep 11 men on the pitch, you never know. Absolutely. Hopefully something uh, we can get a result against Dundalk. And then on to Finn Harps on Friday night. So it's, it's a busy week. The fixtures are coming thick and fast. Um, do you like the idea of having so many fixtures um, kind of squeezed into the first two weeks of the season or would you rather spread out? No, I'd rather spread out. Yeah. it benefits the clubs in Europe I suppose it doesn't benefit the clubs not in Europe and it benefits the clubs obviously that have got big squads um, which which we don't and a few teams don't as well so it benefits the clubs that, that are at top of the league and in Europe which is which is not, not fair really but we have to get on with it as well as we knew what, we knew the pictures before 
before the season started. So we have to get on with it. But no, you'd, you'd imagine I don't see the rushing in squeezing in fixtures when the, the pitches are heavy. There's a lot of travelling involved for us, especially. So I don't see the benefit of it of, of doing it like that. Uh, just finally Neil um, there's been a lot of talk this week of off the field matters I know you said during the week that it's not really affecting you guys but do you think it might have had an effect on the players a lot of talk about changes of ownership and investment and all this kind of thing and that's making the news more than the actual on the pitch stuff so do you think that might be having an effect no I don't think so I think that we don't you know we, we, we don't know anything about it we you know we, that's, it's out of our hands we just have to concentrate what's going on on the pitch and we need to get better and we need to cut out like you say individual areas we need to we need to get better. We need to improve our performances. We need to be. We need to defend better. We need to attack better. So we're concentrating on that. We're focusing on that. Off the field stuff's got nothing to do with us, really. That's Cork City manager Neil Fenn uh, reflecting on last night's record league defeat, six 0 away to Shamrock Rovers. And um, as he just mentioned at the end, he's not involved. He doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, the players don't know what's going on in terms of the off the field stuff. Tomas, um, in terms of this potential takeover that has been discussed all week and there's a big meeting tomorrow of the Forest Trust um, in the Metropole Hotel and they're going to be discussing there it's an information meeting so I think a case is going to be presented there for this takeover to the members and they'll probably in the next few weeks be given a chance to vote on that proposal my understanding is there is a takeover bid there um, from Trevor Hemmings it's not from Preston North End it's from Trevor Hemmings who's the owner of Preston North End and his representative Peter Risdale has been in Cork quite a bit uh, doing negotiations in the last few weeks and things so uh, we don't want to go into too much detail because it's going to be private business which is going to be discussed at the, at the meeting tomorrow but I mean it's going to be put to a vote and the general consensus during the week speaking to people uh, speaking to some ex-players speaking to people involved in the club speaking to supporters is that for the club to go to the next level uh, money's going to have to come from somewhere Yeah I'd even go as far as for the club to stay at this level yeah. they need investment um, you know see the, the stark nature of you know if they're, if they're not investing the same money as the top 3-4 teams um, they're middle of the table team at, at best at the moment and could even be in danger of getting relegated if they don't invest I think it's a no-brainer if you have a, a billionaire owner coming looking to invest in your club look he obviously has some kind of potential whatever whatever it is obviously he has ties to Cork already with Trebulgan and, and other interests that he has but he's not going to come in and, and destroy the club really not intentionally anyway um, so I think if he's willing to come and invest and you know, help the performance of Cork City on and off the field. Uh, commercially, I just think, uh, especially with the situation of the club currently, I think you know you have to have to take take it and and welcome the club with with open arms. Um, Forest Trust originally was set up, and I'm, I'm a member of Forest Trust myself. As is Rory, as are a few people here in Red FM. I think I think Neil Prendival is, or certainly was at one stage as well. Um, and they allow anybody in. They so allow anybody in at all. Yeah, <laughs> hey, give the few bob and you're in. Um, but I mean, it was originally set up when a club when the club was in difficulty, and it stepped in, rescued the club, did a great job for a number of years. But it seemed to stagnate in the past few years when other clubs started getting a lot of investment like Shamrock Rovers, like Dundalk and even to a lesser extent other clubs around the League of Ireland uh, all kind of pushing on and getting more and more money. And I think towards the end of his tenure John Caulfield was even alluding to that maybe the structure needed to change. Yeah. Um, he, he knew that it was going to that he was going to struggle to compete as Cork City manager with, um, with the likes of Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers uh, towards the end of his time there unless there was some outside investment coming in. And it looks like that that has proven correct. And I mean, I, I think Neil Fenn as manager now would love to see some outside investment, would love to have money to spend on players and would love to have a squad that could compete because that's not what the way it's looking at the moment. And I mean, football is a money game now, isn't it? I think so. I, I think all professional sport to an extent is. Um, at the end of the day, it always comes down to, to your, your playing personnel. And if you, you either have 
playing personnel who are capable of competing and winning uh, or you don't and, and irrespective of if you change the manager keep changing the manager you, if you don't have the playing personnel if you don't invest in that then you're not going to compete so um, I think the key is to, to get that investment into the playing personnel um, and then look if the manager is not performing then you can get rid of him but until you have the players to to perform at the top level and, and to, to compete with the top squads in Ireland um, then I think you're wasting your time so um, if there's a, a billionaire investor willing to come in and, and invest in the club Look, you have to you have to talk to them. It does seem like a no brainer, but I mean, it's going to go to a vote of the the members of Cork City, of the members of Forest, and some will vote for it, some will vote against. There'll be differing views, and uh, we'll see what what happens over the next few weeks on that. If Cork City do have new owners, and uh, they're back in action against Dundalk, a difficult away game against champions Dundalk on Monday night in uh, Oriel Park as well. Cove Ramblers, they're back in action for their new season. The first division season kicks off tonight. Uh, Stuart Ashton side host Strada United at St Colans Park. Kickoff is at seven. 7pm uh, it'd be nice to see Cove in the Premier Division wouldn't it as well absolutely um, local the, derbies would be lovely brilliant like it, it kind of adds a bit of spice to it um, and you know just playing playing against your biggest rivals um, kind of two three times a year is fantastic for both clubs and kind of big gates as well for, for, for both those fixtures home and away um, and look just adds a bit of spice to the, the, the local local kind of interest to, to the supporters as well um, so yeah look they seem to be going well Cove is all a club with big tradition obviously um, so look the, obviously the big issue there would be money as well Again, so yeah, money. Um, look when you do go up it, it gets harder and harder and you see that and you know teams from my own experience teams that are in the rugby championship and, and stuff like that they, they don't want to go up because they know they couldn't yeah. sustain uh, financially and I assume the same same issues are, are in regards to, to, to soccer as well so um, look it'd be great to see them perform well and, and, and go up but then it's quite, they start talking about finance and, and, and staying up then Exactly that that's the problem for every club really I think certainly first division clubs coming up into the Premier League and uh, it is Drogheda United for Cove Ramblers in St. Coleman's Park tonight so kick off there is in about 40 minutes time at 7pm Ramblers announced a new sponsor during the week the Metropole Hotel their new main sponsor for the season and Rory went along to the Metropole to speak to some of the lads firstly Rory spoke to Ramblers midfielder Dave Hurley ahead of their new season. Dave, we're here at the launch of uh, the new season. That means the first game's on Saturday. Pre-season is done. You must be happy. The pre-season's out of the way. No more laps running around the pitch. Yeah, the longest off-season in the world as well. Like, I just heard one of the lads tell me that Liverpool have played 35 games since we had the last competitive <laughs> game. So yeah, it's just it's a relief. Obviously, the pre-season's over, but it's a relief that we're getting back into competitive games, getting back into a routine of match every week. And obviously, you know, people are saying you don't have a week off now till June, but you know, because we've had so long off, you don't care really. You just want to be playing games, and especially the way we've all been training, you know, twice, three times a week, all been together for two months now, nearly. It's just kind of we just want to get into it now. We want to be get get at it now. See where we're at really get into the games and get into the swing of things Obviously it's a new squad a lot of new players how have you all gelled and what's, the, what's your take on the squad I suppose for the year Yeah it took a while now you know um, but since we've been training we're training loads and we're all gelling I, every week we're getting stronger and stronger together it feels like you know we're getting used to each other getting used to our tendencies everything so yeah I feel like we are obviously it was a lot of new players I think 9 or 10 new players but you know a lot of them are players that I've played with before 
and they've been around the league as well, so they know the league, and that's good to have because if you're bringing in someone who knows the league, they know what they need and what we need from them. Drahada, Saturday, it's not the easiest game to start, but I don't think you'll mind, will you? No, you know, it's it's kind of good to get thrown right into the deep end, like, you know, we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to give ourselves any false hope that, you know, this is going to be easy because we know. I, well I know anyway the last two years you know it is tough and that if you can get a good result there that gives you a good springboard for the start of the season and even if we don't it's still a long season but I, I'm confident that we can definitely get a good result there Have you set a target for yourself personally for the season? Um, in terms of goals or just in terms maybe goals yeah like I, I, mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do set myself targets but you know a lot of times the numbers I don't really do justice because like I felt like last year I only scored one goal but I felt like I had one of my best years um, but yeah it is we do obviously set ourselves targets and then maybe it's just in about six months during June maybe now I might have a look back at it and be like geez, I'm out of the real just I was just talking to Pierce there and he was saying that the feeling amongst the squad is playoffs minimum is that something you go along with? Yeah definitely especially with the new format it's that the top five teams get in a chance to playoffs so that's definitely you want to be in the top half league and no matter what league you're in so if we're in the top half that means playoffs that's good reward for that really and we do we are confident that we can be better than more than half teams league and even more than half teams we feel like we can be right up there which is definitely the goal and we are confident that we can do that One thing is vital Dave is getting the fans in through the gate at Coleman's Park to get behind you support you and get the, the town buzzing about you I suppose Yeah, yeah exactly like there was a, when they went to the playoffs maybe was it 2016 it was I think yeah. there was a real buzz around the town like I was only playing under 19s at the time but I used to come down maybe to watch a match and every time you used to come to Cove everyone was talking about the, the club the club the, the match at the weekend they were brilliant everything and that's what you really want because when you're playing it rubs off on the players when all the fans are so enthusiastic and obviously you know we do want that we do want that but you know in the past few years the results haven't been there and that's fair enough that the, the fans haven't been there but hopefully if we do get a good start people will start noticing us again and be notice that you know there is something going down there in Colin's Park and hopefully they can get a good crowd and we can get a good atmosphere Stuart mentioned the defeat to Carrick line last week is it good that you, that's out of your system now and like how did you readjust and what did you say to yourselves after that yeah you know obviously it was very disappointing you know like that's not that's not really acceptable at all but you know it could Give, be a positive impact. It could give us like be a positive thing that maybe if we maybe even though that the loss obviously you don't want to lose any games, but it might kind of put us into our place that geez we're not the bees knees, we're not we're not 100 percent there yet. Maybe we do need to work on stuff, and it probably open our eyes a bit more to that. And hopefully going into Saturday now we know that this is what we need to work on. We know this is where we need to improve, and hopefully we can improve on that for Saturday and for the rest of the season. Very best luck, buddy. Thanks very much. Thanks, that's Rory chatting to um, Cove Ramblers midfielder Dave Hurley ahead of their season opener tonight. They're taking on Drogheda in St. Coleman's Park. Kickoff there in just over half an hour's time at 7pm. More Ramblers stuff to come in just a second. But, uh, Tomás, it um, looks like France have this game wrapped up in the Six Nations. Yeah, very impressive performance by them. Uh, currently leading 27 points to 16. Um, Romain Entemac, um about 10-15 minutes ago, intercepted on halfway um, and, and Dotted down under the post, obviously converted as well, and then about five six minutes ago he kicked another penalty from from halfway. So that, that ten points, um, they, they've responded immediately to when Wales brought the game back to a point game at seventeen sixteen. Um, and the first half performance was 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 very very good. Uh, great try from Boutier at full back, and and Paul Williams as well in the second row. Um, but their their defensive performance just before half time. Um, obviously Sean Edwards the ex-Welsh uh, defensive coach his hallmark was all over that just the energy 
and uh, the willingness to work for each other. Um, I suppose values that traditionally France didn't really yeah. have. They, they had all the flair in the attack, but didn't really want to, to knuckle down and, and work for each other. So um, it's a dangerous combination when they have that work ethic and the flair that they have. So currently it's it's 27-16 and, and they look like they should close it out. Great stuff. All right, lots more rugby to come for you. We're going to have a big in-depth preview of tomorrow's Ireland versus England game in Twickenham for you in the next 10 minutes or so. But just wrapping up on Cove Ramblers tonight ahead of their season opener, Rory was at that launch during the week in the Metropole Hotel. He also caught up with Pierce Phillips, who was signed with the club from Cork City. And like Dave, Pierce is happy with Cove's pre-season is finally being over. No, it was a tough one, but it was good. Um, obviously, a lot of new players coming in. So to have that extra bit of time to all gel together and fun really it, it, it will help I feel going forward in the season um, obviously the results didn't go away but I feel the performance is building up over each game kept improving and you know there's signs that we can do very well this season and that's the, that's the plan Was it a tough decision to sign on for this year? Um, to be honest it wasn't um, I found it fairly straightforward I was saying earlier the players that were kept from the season before and from when I was here two years ago um, with the players that came in it really seems to be a forward movement trying to get to playoffs we keep saying it over and over that's the minimum that we're looking for this year so something that I feel is good to be part of to try build for the future and the squad that Stuart has built some very exciting young players there as well yeah that's the thing it's a young squad um, obviously sometimes that can go against you if you lack experience but we all we do have that as well in the squad um, so I think that mix will benefit us through the season and it's always good to have you in the squad good energy for the season and playing under Stuart as well he likes to play football he likes to play the right way on the deck and moving it around yeah that's the plan um, if we can play in games and win while playing well that's the goal but um, we need to do the other side of it as well and when things aren't going, going well they get a performance and getting fans through the gate is going to be key for this isn't it I mean like getting fans in behind you supporting you is going to be the key yeah that's a big one when I was there two seasons ago there was always good support even for the away games so you're getting you're getting that good support maybe to even got the likes of Galway you know places far away so that is always positive and it does give you a boost on the pitch so hopefully we get the same again this season Drahana Saturday it's not an easy one to start with but I mean like start of the season anything can happen I guess yeah exactly it is a tough one I think the last few results against Drahana I didn't go Cove's way but um, like I said pre-season has been good so we're confident going into it we're happy with how things have went build it up to it did the defeat to Carrig line last week kind of set you back or has it kind of like soured the mood in the camp a little bit or anything do you know what Shu said it earlier it's kind of maybe a blessing in disguise bit of a wake up call because our performances were so good in pre-season we maybe felt we'd done enough to just kind of coast through games but that was real kicking the teeth so we know now going forward you can't let rest in any game so I feel maybe obviously we wanted a win but in a way you know it's, it's good to, to really get us focused for the season better than that than Saturday I guess against exactly Saturday. yeah so getting a few wins getting the crowd behind you is I suppose the key and just starting with a positive result on Saturday would be fantastic yeah that's the main thing and if just get the ball rolling with a good result and just keep that going for the season then that's, that's the goal really and as you said playoffs is the target 100% yeah I, I think with the squad we have um, this year especially we seem to have good squad depth and there's a long season there so I think definitely yeah, that's the goal excellent best luck first. cheers thank you
Yeah, Piers Phillips of Cove Ramblers there um, chatting to Rory ahead of their game tonight against Drogheda kickoff at 7 o'clock in their season opener. It was a busy day cross-channel in the Premier League as well. Uh, a lot of games today. The halftime now in the evening kickoff. It's Leicester City nil, Manchester City nil there. Earlier on, Burnley had a 3-0 win over Bournemouth. Crystal Palace had a much-needed win for them um, and a much-needed win for Roy Hodgson against Newcastle 1-0 there. one all is the final score between Sheffield United and Brighton and Southampton had a good 2-0 win over Aston Villa as well. And in the early game of the day which was the big game of the day today I think uh, in the race for the top four Chelsea had a 2-1 win over Tottenham both of those coming in after losing games during the week Chelsea obviously losing to Manchester United and Tottenham losing to Leipzig in the Champions League and Chelsea getting the better Frank Lampard getting the better of his old mentor uh, Jose Mourinho in that game but it's been a bad week for Tottenham and for Jose Mourinho and Tomas you're, you're a Spurs fan um, you're saying like Mourinho hasn't really handled things greatly during the week Um they're obviously missing a few key players. Harry Harry Kane is out injured. Um, Son is out injured now as well as of last week. And they'd be their key goal scorers, really. They've lost Ericsson as well to Inter Milan. And Mourinho is kind of dismissive of a lot of the other players, isn't he? Yeah, <clears throat> even the way he's spoken about Troy Parrott. Um, look, he, he might not believe he's up to it yet, but you can have a chat with him internally and outwardly then you, you encourage and, and, and give a good opinion of him. But like he's basically dismissed everyone in his squad bar he's top 14, 15 players and it's like a, a case of he's dividing the squad yeah. like uh, players who are good enough and the players who are not um, and players who are trying to make the breakthrough or players who are on the periphery generally need that extra encouragement or incentive maybe from your coach to get that that confidence level yeah. up and then when you do get an opportunity if you have that confidence you'll perform better but even I, th- I think through a comment out that if he does manage to get top four with this Spurs squad with all the injuries that will be his greatest managerial achievement that's crazy. that gives the lads no confidence yeah but it's crazy he's won you know European Cup yeah. he's won Premier Leagues um, like that is totally demeaning like you said the the lads who were on the periphery or the lads that he doesn't want to play um, I just think it's terrible man management um, and look just his demeanour as well it just wouldn't inspire confidence the way it is now, Spurs are still in fifth after today's results. Um, they are four points behind Chelsea in fourth. And then kind of coming up behind them, you have Manchester United, who have a game in hand there down in seventh uh, on 38 points. And Sheffield United, who drew today, are still there in the mix. They're on the same points as Spurs on 40 points as well. So, I mean, the top four, it's going to be one of those four teams, Chelsea, Spurs, Sheffield United or Manchester United, you'd imagine. Chelsea have the advantage. How do you think it's going to go the way teams are playing at the moment, Tomas? It's like no one really wants to to, to take it, grab, yeah. grab it with the scruff of the neck. But I think Chelsea, Chelsea look good. To be fair, um, that's a massive result for them. Obviously, um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably give Chelsea the nod to to get fourth position. Obviously, then the only thing is with City, Man City, will fifth position get yeah. the Champions League as well? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's all to play for, really. And looking at that, I, I would imagine it would be between. Spurs and, and United um, Man United not Sheffield United yeah. sorry, sorry it would Sheffield be incredible United though wouldn't it if Sheffield um, United got it it would be mad yeah. Um, but yeah look it's it's none of, none of those teams are going in any kind of runs or, or any hot streaks so it's, it's it's tough to say but definitely I think Mourinho's doing Spurs no favours with the way he's talking absolutely and um, we'll keep an eye on how that goes you're keeping an eye there Tomas as well on the Six Nations how's it going yeah it's still um, France leading 27 to 16 but Wales are, are camped on, on the French line 5 metres out um, series of scrums series of, of pressure so they're trying to get it back to a one score game um, if France can hold out here with um, kind of 12 minutes to go currently um, I think then, then the game will be won 
and it's a big big game in the Six Nations for ourselves tomorrow England the opponents in Twickenham and we're going to be previewing that game in just a few minutes time myself and Tomas will be chatting about it and we're going to hear from Andy Farrell Conor Murray and Eddie Jones as well ahead of that match it's all to, all to come here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM and we will have that podcast up for you very very quickly after the show after 7 o'clock this evening if you want to catch up on everything uh, looking ahead to the rugby on the reaction to Cork City hearing from Neil Fenn and Cove Ramblers or any Premier League discussion it will all be on the Big Red Bench podcast redfm.ie after 7 o'clock this evening it's Colm O'Sullivan and Tomás O'Leary with you on the Big Red Bench until 7 o'clock and we're looking ahead now to a big big day of rugby action tomorrow because Ireland face England in the Six Nations at Twickenham tomorrow and it's always a tough game going away to England um, but Ireland Tomás I'd imagine will will kind of be in a confident mood after the opening two games yeah it's a good time for Ireland to, to go to Twickenham I suppose Ireland's form as you said ha, has been really good against Wales especially yeah. obviously performance against Scotland was, was average enough but they still got, still the, got the result yeah, yeah. Um, and conversely then England are probably struggling for form um, they've probably gone on a downward spiral yeah. since, since the World Cup semi-final in reality um, there's a few kind of positional switches as well in the England team that are interesting uh, Jonathan Joseph is obviously starting on the wing traditionally a centre um, Tulagi's got the 13 with Farrell staying in, in the inside centre position um, so that's an interesting one as well so it, it, those two kind of switches would give me probably a bit more confidence that Ireland can, can get the result but um, I just think based on the last two two outings Ireland against England I think Ireland conceded something like um, 10 tries in those two games so it's going to be a much needed uh, improved performance needed for, for this Ireland team but I think it's a tough one to call but I'd probably edge towards uh, an England win unfortunately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm wrong hopefully you're wrong <laughs> yeah. um, you mentioned last week that Ireland might struggle to cope with the physicality of England yeah look I think this England team um, certainly in the last few outings pre-World Cup and, and last year's Six Nations they won the, the the physical battle the you know the, the collisions um, just so many powerful athletes um, so I, Ireland especially up front I think have the ability to, to deal with this England team now the loss of Henderson I think in his yeah. front row or, sorry in the second row uh, I think he had a baby baby during the week um, I think that's going to be a loss in terms of physicality yeah. obviously Devon Toner will come in and he'll add a bit to the line out both in defence and attack so you're not losing the line out but just in terms of ball carrying and maybe being a destructive tackler um, Henderson is, is, is street ahead of ahead of um, Toner in that aspect so that's probably a bit of a loss this weekend but you know um, in the midfield look Farrell um, and and Tulagi obviously Tulagi's their yeah. their ball carrier Farrell won't, won't really carry he's more of a distributor yeah. um, he's there to pull his strings maybe kick um, so Ireland midfield have a chance to, to front up and I suppose essentially try and double team Tulagi which is essentially is what is needed but um, this Ireland midfield as well is very very physical obviously Aki and, and Henshaw both big strong guys so um, I think if, if any kind of centre partnership can can kind of subdue his influence to Lagi, I think then this Irish midfield can so yeah, I think if then I think Sexton and a few other co- our players have mentioned during the week that if they can get the physicality um, pitched to the right level um, against England then that will go a long way towards, towards stopping their game plan is home advantage a big thing for England at Twickenham do you think I mean Ireland obviously on the back of, of um, two home games at the Aviva Stadium but Twickenham is a bit of a fortress for England a lot of the time isn't it it is um, yeah it definitely adds you know you go through any sport and 
rugby's the same. Um, generally, home teams, I think, do do get a good 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 advantage from it for whatever reasons reasons psychological. Just the fact you're, you're you're waking up in your home bed or you don't have to travel the day before a game. Um, so yeah, look, that's a big big plus for England. Um, but you know, Ireland went over there two years ago, uh, Grand Slam decider, and St Patrick's Day, yeah, and absolutely destroyed. Say that was yeah, it. Yeah. Destroyed an England team, and there is a few changes since then in in, in both sides. But um, so Ireland know they can do it. But there's the nucleus of this. What are the chances of a repeat of that tomorrow? Do you think? Yeah, look, it's, I, never it's knows, a tough game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's so hard to predict. Um, Ireland definitely have a chance to win yep. not sure we'll destroy them but um, yeah I just find it very hard to call but uh, like I said I'm just unfortunately edging towards England Alright well, it's your professional opinion you're, you're allowed it even if we don't yeah. like it the most. Yeah, exactly <laughs> I don't like it myself <laughs> Exactly nice one Alright uh, we're going to hear now from Ireland head coach Andy Farrell he spoke to us ahead of the clash with England uh, they were in Cork last week um, at a training camp and uh, he spoke about their preparation for the England game and also having former captain Paul O'Connell with the lads in training been in all week. Um, he's here till till Friday. Um, we uh, we like it when people come into camp. Uh, you know, we, we try and invite as many people as we possibly can. There's not just Paul that's been in camp this, this week. Uh, there's a there's a few other guys, and we like people to try and take stock from the outside and get a, get a feel of of uh, of their feeling of uh, how camp is. So. Paul is here to uh, to observe and come into all the meetings and get a feeling and obviously share his experience as well along the way and trying to connect with the boys. How bad is that experience? He's obviously achieved a lot of the game. Well, he's been there and done that. He's been to Twickenham a few times and uh, he's played a few big games, so he knows what the boys are going through. So, yeah, you, you, you see a lot more of the boys gravitating towards him uh, uh, during the week and, uh, and and that's great to see. And he's only made it uh, England so far. Um, well, it's, it's quite difficult. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say uh, I need to take in the sole far part because uh, uh, obviously the start that France had in the first game, um, they would try and uh, ride that because we know that England's been notoriously very good at starting, starting pretty well. The conditions came down uh, in Paris and made it very hard for them, but they showed great spirit to to come back and fight to nearly win the game. And then the conditions in Scotland were, were horrendous, weren't they? You know, so we, we, we don't get too much from that other than we know that they've got great fighting spirit, like I just said. So we look back on uh, the last few years of, of how they've played. We know the, they're an outstanding side and we expect them to be at the best at the weekend. Um, we, we use a few clips, or, you know, as, as, as any team would do, but not, not real motivation. It was... Uh, it was a warm-up game that was two teams on probably different levels you know we, we come away from training camp in Portugal really hadn't done any type of contact work whatsoever uh, d- during that week so it was probably at different levels which every team is in, in, a, in a pre-season warm-up game but it still stung but they, the, the performance from England was, was excellent and we know that uh, what they're capable of so uh, yeah we we, um, we don't t- look too much into that probably Probably the uh, the game in the Six Nations at the start of, of, of the last Six Nations was uh, more of a, a fairer balance of of where they was at as a team. Again, started really well, fast, explosive, used a, um, an attacking, kicking game to to great effect. Pinned us into the corners and uh, and, uh, and and tried to 
um, hitters on the counter. You know, I, I suppose there'll be, be uh, a bit more of that at the weekend as well. You certainly need to be at your best, and we was the last time we won there. Um, uh, you, you, you can't go there and just hope it goes well for you. You have to go on and attack the game and and, uh, and, and do it in in the right manner. And uh, it takes a takes a um, obviously. Big old, big old effort from from everyone. That's 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 in the group, and you don't go to England and and, and win on your own. You win as a collective, and uh, that's what we've been talking about this week. Any particular added focus on you know potential of a, a triple crown if you do win there this weekend? Well, obviously you you just mentioned it, so everyone everyone knows uh, that it's there, but that's not in the the forefront of our mind. That's just uh, that's just an added bonus, hopefully on, on the back of a of, of a top performance, and, and that's what we're hoping to get. That's Ireland head coach Andy Farrell speaking to us ahead of the clash with England tomorrow in the Six Nations. Uh, what do you make of Andy Farrell since he came into Moss? Yeah, I'd be really impressed by him. Yeah. Um, like I've, I met him a few years ago when he came in as a consultant for Munster. And um, just a really calm, assured guy, but he's got a big kind of presence about him. Yeah. Um, you know, physically as well. Um, but he's a very confident guy. But what struck me back then is he was big on players taking ownership and having the autonomy to, to make decisions and having having I suppose power over where they're going as a squad their game plan and uh, having a big ownership on that so he's obviously trying to implement that this year with, with Ireland it will take time but even the off the pitch stuff you know I know they had a big sing song and, and, and a big session after after yeah. after the Welsh game but they were, they were that's important too isn't it it's massive for, yeah. for you know squad morale, morale. Yeah, yeah. You, you can do all these exercises and you know kind of designed team building exercises going out to parks and going out to different things but you know, having a few points together, having a bit of crack, you can't beat it. It's vital because it, it kind of builds friendships and builds kind of a rapport that, that you mightn't have in the day-to-day training sessions. Yeah, builds the, you know, you'd lads would be slagging about what lads did. A bit of banter, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, they'd be talking, like, you know, yourself, we'd be talking about sessions from six, seven years ago exactly, when the lads yeah, made yeah. a show of himself <laughs> on tour or whatever. Like, so that's, that. I think so. He's he, he's hit the nail ahead with that. And um, just word from the camp is it's a lot more relaxed enjoyable um, so yeah I think he's seen that Wilde Schmidt was, was a brilliant coach and obviously his methods really really worked for 5-6 years the last kind of year and a half was maybe a bit overkill and he, he's, yeah. he's seen that and he's 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 recognised it and he's changed it so yeah very impressed thus far with him Great stuff um, nearly full time there in the Wales and France game how's it look at the Moss? Yeah Dan Bigger got a, a try for Wales um, with 5 minutes to go on the 85th minute so that brought it back to 27 23 but it looks like uh, France are still going to close it out and uh, about a minute left there they're, they're up in the well side of the pitch um, Roman at the back the, the tennis has just been named as the man of the match so it looks like um, France will hold out um, and hopefully for Ireland's point of view they, they, they do that without getting a try because if they do get another try they have a bonus point victory as well and we prefer not to see that bonus point happen obviously uh, back to tomorrow's match then and we heard as well from scrum half Connor Murray uh, about going to Twickenham and also he was talking about the weird dynamic of Andy Farrell facing off against his son Owen and our mindset was really really good we knew we had to go to Twickenham and perform and um, not necessarily take risks or, or, or chances but um, go after the game and attack the game and I thought we did that really good um, I thought defensively our, our energy was right up there with, with one of our best performances uh, defensively and that really helped us in our, in our overall performance I think um, before half time our, our decision to, to run a play or, or 
I can't remember what set piece it was off, but we ended up scoring a shot. I think Jacob scored um, with the chip and chase, and just having the um, willingness to go and, and chase that before half time. A lot of teams might have waited till the clock, went to 40 minutes, and kicked it out. Whereas that day, um, you know, in that season or whatever, we, we backed ourselves, um, which, which was fantastic. And, and there, were, there were an awful lot of aspects to that performance. Um, that, that we were chasing. That's yeah, we've had tough times there. We've had we've had good performances there, and, and just come come out the wrong side of the scoreboard as well. So it's not like that was a once off. I, don't, I think the the fear factor of going there isn't as, as big as what it used to be. The, the respect of it, of the English side is, is definitely there, and um, you know we're all aware of that. But um, you know we, we've had times where we've we've gone over there with a really good attitude and played really well and, and just missed out. Um, obviously, the 2018 game was is going to be the one that stands out as for a grand slam. Um, England away in the last day is going to be the biggest memory you have over there. But um, yeah, it is tough to perform there. It takes it takes a massive week of prep and, and uh, the proper mindset. And you know the, the first few days of this week have gone really well and, and we're. Um, we're moving nicely. Our question is it still odd listening to Andy talk about his son on the opposition team. Um, yeah, it's always going to be weird, isn't it? Something like that is just um, it's a bit strange, but he's done it so well for the, the few times we've played um, England. You know, he just sticks at the task at hand, and um, you know, sometimes he gives some good insights in, into Owen's game that we, we mightn't necessarily have seen. But um, yeah, it's, it's 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 always a bit a bit odd uh, when he's talking about his son. Yeah, yeah it's the ultimate insider knowledge though, when he has them. Yeah, like we've uh, I've played against Owen a good few times. I've toured with him. Um, He's a, he's an incredible player and, and a really good decision maker. So you know, having knowledge of the way he plays, you know, he, he's still able to pick the right option. So uh, that's what, that's what makes him really hard to de- to defend or, or to um, to analyse. You know, he's he's a player that, that plays what's in front of him really well. Um, so it's going to be tough on the day, no matter how much knowledge you have. Connor Murray speaking ahead of the Ireland of England game at Twickenham tomorrow. Uh, a bit of argy bargy there at full time in the Wales and France game, Tomas. Yeah fantastic uh, finish to the game Wales made a big line break um, broke from their own try line and, and kind of broke it 40 metres from halfway a fantastic chop tackle from, from cover defence in France and a, and a poach so they got a penalty yeah. to, to end the game tapped and kicked it out and then all of a sudden there was just uh, players from everywhere coming in together but, <laughs> bit of mayhem out of nowhere yeah, but kind of handbags think, yeah, handbags I don't think there's many punches thrown just people grabbing each other by the throat um, they're all hugging and, and shaking hands now but um, there was most of the, the teams involved but look fantastic victory for France they they look like now they'll be going into the final weekend against Ireland on, on the 14th of March with um, a Grand Slam on the line so fingers crossed um, we're in the same position and it could be a Grand Slam decider um, but since since Galtier has come on board and, and Sean Edwards as well in the defensive side this French team looks uh, reinvigorated and, and I'd be very very impressed with them I mean that would be fantastic if we got to that France game and it was a Grand Slam decider obviously it all depends on how tomorrow goes It would be unbelievable yeah and we'd probably have to do an episode of the Big Red Bench from Paris maybe I, I, I think we'll have to chat to Dermot about that actually I think yeah. that's a good idea Could maybe get Donica Ryan and Zebo involved too we'd have, to cr- <laughs> we'd have to crash in their couch or something Yeah that's alright we can do that yeah. yeah we'll have a chat with Dermot maybe about <laughs> budgets and stuff like that but um, it could be a good one Good stuff. All right, we're just going to briefly hear, in the interest of fairness, uh, very briefly from Eddie Jones ahead of tomorrow's match as well, the England coach. Eddie, losing Macavonopola, how big a setback is that for your preparations this week? Uh, He's a quality player, but uh, we're lucky, we're blessed with two outstanding loose head props in uh, Joe Marler and Ellis Gens, so... 
we're concerned we covered the losses of uh, Mako. Um, but disappointing to lose him. And uh, Genji's impressed off the bench. How close is he to a start? Uh, well, he'll definitely be in the 23. Is he pushing more than ever, though, do you think, for that? Well, we don't differentiate between starters and finishers. And um, That's for you guys to talk about. And in terms of uh, so Manu... If you want to keep talking about it, we can keep talking about it. No, I was going to ask you about Manu Tulani. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how is he? How close to... Yeah, no, he's good. Uh, trained fully today, so he should be in contention for selection. That's a huge boost, isn't it, for your, your plans? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to have a quality player back. And uh, Henry Slade as well? Where's he at? Uh, he trained today, so again, we've just got to monitor his progress. How would you rate his chances for the weekend? Uh, positive. Would you, he hasn't played since December, would you have any sort of hesitation to, to throw him straight back in? Quality player. That gives your midfielder, gives you a lot of options in midfield, doesn't it? Gives us more options, yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, in terms of Ireland, what have you made of them uh, under Farrell compared to Schmidt? What, what uh, they're a good side, extremely well coached. Yeah, we really respect them. And a new captain in, in Johnny Sexton as well. Um, he's got a bit of flack for, for talking to the referees a lot. What have you made of that? Oh, I haven't seen enough of it to comment. But a, a key player to, to to close down and a key player for Ireland? Yeah, he's an important player. You know, he's a good player. He's a British Lions. Uh, deserves the opportunity to, to captain his uh, country, so I'm sure he'll do a good job. How big a challenge is this, welcoming Ireland, this Ireland team unbeaten to Twickenham? Uh, well, it's the next game, so it's the most important one. But it's a chance to get the Six Nations campaign right back on track, isn't it? We're on track. We're on track, he says, Eddie Jones. Are they on track, Tomas? They're not on track, but, jeez, it's a tough man to, to get a, into. Isn't <laughs> it? It's like pulling, pulling teeth there. He's... Um, He's been as awkward as possible there as he could be, but fair play. Look, he's he's entertaining at least. Um, he normally throws a few, uh, drops a few bombs as well in interviews, but like that one, he's obviously trying not to say anything, and he, I think he failed big time. Uh, let's finish up with some GAA then, because during the week, one of our team, Aidan, went along to the launch of the 1920 commemorative jersey down in Porky Cueve. Uh, the Cork Senior Hurlers will wear the jerseys for their game against Limerick tomorrow, while the footballers will wear them next weekend. Aidan caught up with Conor Lee Han and Sean O'Donoghue at the event. Yeah, so I'm here at Porky Cueve for the uh, launch of the 1920 commemorative jersey. Uh, so I'm joined by uh, Conor Lee Han and Sean O'Donoghue. So... Connor, uh, obviously you're out this weekend, but uh, two rounds of the hurling league left to go. You've two wins, one over Tipperary. Would you say you're in you're in good shape so far? Uh, yeah, we're definitely in better shape than what we um, we thought we'd be after the first game. You know, it was kind of disappointing last, but we came back well known the last two games. So um, not a win at Limerick, I suppose we'll nearly guarantee it. Like, but we're not going to look at it like that. It's more trying to get a, as good a performance as we can out of the weekend and uh, see that our leads us then at the end of the league. Yeah. Um, would you say that? Would you only class the league campaign this year as a success if you made the knockout stages? Um, I suppose the main thing is just to find that bit of consistency that we've been missing um, over the last couple of years. Um, like we've two wins on our bet now and another big game on Sunday. And um, especially with the Fitz players back now, uh, it'll be good to just get the whole squad together and kind of build on top of our tip um, performance and um, try and pull two, two, two good performances over the next two games. Now. Um, 
I suppose this stage of the year, would you be looking more at your own development and getting yourself right rather than the overall team picture, whereas further down the line maybe you'd be looking at yourselves more like the squad kind of direction? It's a bit of both always because you have to be kind of take care of yourself in, way in order to get the best out of yourself, which will feed into the team. Like, but obviously, like Sean said, it's more everyone getting to the best kind of condition or leading towards the best condition they can get in for the purpose of whatever your team is like looking towards to improve on and looking towards to get to. So yeah, it's a bit of every, it's a bit of like you said, it's more kind of a mixture now. And obviously, in the summer, it's all about the team then itself. Like, cause you should, all the work you should have done should have been done by then. So yeah. Um, I suppose Limerick is probably. Would you say it's the, the toughest uh, clash you're going to have this year in the league? Um, it's hard to say, I suppose, in the league. Like, well, every game's going to bring different challenges. Um, like Limerick play a certain way that's very different to tip. Um, so we kind of have to adapt a small bit um, for each team that we're playing. But like our main focus will be on ourselves and um, pulling the best performance out of ourselves that we can get. So... Um, like we'll play um, Limerick this weekend and Galway the following weekend and both are going to present a different challenge so um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how they walk on Perfect, thanks lads That is Aidan talking to Conor Lehan and Sean O'Donoghue down at the launch of the new 1920 commemorative jersey in Porky Creeve during the week uh, Man City had a penalty but it has been saved and it's still Leicester City nil Manchester City nil in the Premier League there uh, just one more interview from that launch of the new Cork commemorative jersey Aidan also chatted to the legendary Dermot The Rock O'Sullivan down there at Porky I'm Creeve. joined there by Dermot O'Sullivan in Porky Creeve at the 1920 commemorative jersey launch so uh you have a couple of ins and a couple of outs for the game against Limerick this weekend with uh, the return of the Fitzgibbon Cup boys and then you have the two injuries as well to, to Sean O'Donoghue and, and Conor Hand. So is it a case of just replacing those guys or do you get excited at the prospect of giving the young guys the, the chance to prove themselves? No, look, first and foremost, it's great to welcome guys back with a winning mentality to get back-to-back Fitzgibbon Cups, to introduce these lads back into our squad over last week. It's great. Um, does it earn them a right to get back into their team? Absolutely not, because while they've been away, there's other guys have been pushing really, really hard, and we as a management team have to weigh up the pros and cons of, of both scenarios, them being away, coming back in, and the guys who are with us and train really hard, so it's a good position we find ourselves in. Um, two rounds left, you've got two wins, are you happy with, obviously maybe not the first week, but so far, how you've progressed? No, look, we've done okay, look, the first week was, was a disappointment, but that's gone, we can't get it back. Uh, Tipperary was good, but it's gone. Westmead was was good and at times. That's gone. So our focus, the biggest game of the year for us, Nick, is is our next game, and that just happens to be Limerick next Sunday. Um, would you look at Limerick as being almost an example of the way they've built their squad and their squad strength and squad depth going going into the future? Yeah, they've a lot of they've a lot of, lot of very very good hurlers, um, both in the starting fifteen and within probably their the panel their, their extended panel maybe 34, 35 So they're in a strong position. Um, they seem to be doing all the running at the moment but it's up to the likes of us Tipperary Galway Kilkenny all to catch up and what would you class as a success in this league campaign is would, would getting out of the league stage be a definite priority for you I think so I think it would be important the more games we can get um, the better because you want to be out of the National League in the first week in March because obviously that's a struggle than trying to pick up games so yeah we definitely need to, we need to get to a quarter final if that's achievable great if it's not we'll just put our head down we'll work away that's Dermot the Rocco Sullivan legend um, that pretty much wraps us up on the show uh, Tomas so finally um, are you sticking with your prediction England's going to shade it tomorrow against Ireland I feel like you're trying to bully me and I kind of have yeah, I just want you to say Ireland are going to win <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm wrong but I'm going to stick to my guns but yeah, yeah. 
I think I'll be uh, I'll be eating my words hopefully tomorrow night. Hopefully, I'm sure you'll be happy to eat your words tomorrow night in the show. Uh, Tomas and Rory will be here tomorrow evening wrapping up uh, all the weekend sport, including all the reaction and analysis on that big Ireland and England game at Twickenham tomorrow in the Six Nations. Hopefully, we do get that Irish win tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Uh, Rory and Tomas back with you from 6pm. I'll be back with you on the bench with Tomas again next Saturday. But uh, stand by for Mr. Stevie G. If you're heading out tonight, he's got all the tunes to get you in the mood.